You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 67 called Hybrid Learning Challenges and How to Overcome Them. In this episode, we'll take a deep dive into the challenges of hybrid learning and teaching that we're experiencing during our first week back to school. We're then going to provide you guys with some suggestions and ideas to help overcome these challenges. This is one episode you cannot miss. Check it out. So we are getting into our first week of school. First week back here, we're just with the teachers, but we're finding a lot of issues with kind of what we thought were going to be our best practices. And we're working on ways to develop new plans. So today, what we want to do is we kind of want to share some of our challenges that we're going through and provide you with some tips and tricks and kind of what we're going to use as at least a beginning template of what best practices look like in a pretty unique situation. Uh, So before we get into our episode, I just wanted to throw a a couple thank yous out there to uh, uh, Kyle Nemus, who has been sharing out a lot of our uh, content, retweeting it. If you like anything that you see on social media, please take a second to uh, retweet it. You could uh, subscribe uh, to our podcast on any major player. You could write us a review on Apple. If you're looking for more templates and ideas and how-to videos, things like that, please go over to our Got Tech YouTube channel, uh, subscribe there, and uh, really go over to our website, www.gottech.com, and check out what we have there as well. So there's several different places that you could get some pretty quality uh, content that you'll be able to use in your classroom for free. And uh, thanks for all the support that everyone has been given to us. We're, we're seeing a lot of people tell friends on Twitter, uh, and then we're growing a big, strong PLN, which is saving a lot of people a lot of time on Twitter because I'm seeing a lot of interaction with our uh, EduMentor Twitter chat, people sharing templates, and really by people just sharing with everybody, it's going to help us get through this tough time a lot easier. We're all better together. Nick, anything to add to that? No, that pretty much covers it. Thanks, guys for all the support and we look forward to bigger and better things to come. You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTech. So like I said at the top of the show, this is a crazy school year and we wanted to make sure to kind of address that in the most positive way possible, which is first of all, talking about it, kind of clarifying what some of those issues are, but then sort of trying to do, which is one of the hardest things to do, especially in a, in a challenging time like this, which is instead of, you know, complaining about it, try to focus on some solutions. How can you deal with the situation that we're faced with? Um, so I think that's kind of the major theme of this episode. If you don't know what we're talking about, we're, we're talking about the 2020 school year here, which is dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. There's essentially three scenarios out there. Well, I'll lay those out there first and then get into kind of where we're at. Maybe you're in an area where the virus isn't too bad and it's pretty safe to have kids back in school. Maybe your school is fully 
actually in person, which means you might be running your classroom almost the same as you always have. That's the, you know, the in-person approach, probably a little bit social distance just to play it safe, but things may be essentially normal for you. Second option, fully remote, which is your school's playing it safe. All the kids are home. They're on their Chromebooks or whatever device the school gives them, and you are teaching them virtually. And then there's this middle option, which I'll just call the hybrid approach. And there's lots of ways to do this. Our particular school, and this is what Geis and I are dealing with right now, our school has a hybrid approach where essentially the kids are split in half alphabetically. Uh, so if I have a class of 24 kids, uh, only about half of them are present on any given day. The other half from the other half of the alphabet are home. The nice thing about our model is that the kids that are home remotely are still watching me in class via Zoom. Uh, so I connect a big Zoom meeting. Anybody can log in. The kids that are in class can log in if they want, although they shouldn't have to because they're present. The kids at home do have to log into that Zoom meeting so they can watch what's happening in class. This allows them to see what's taking place there, learn from me, interact with other students, pretty much anything that Zoom has available, they can now do that. So this is great, right? Because we get to pull in all the students together, even though half the, half of them are home on remote instruction. They still get to be part of that school community. It's a great model. However, I think it's also the most challenging one because you can't just commit to that in-person style that we've always done. You can't just commit to the fully remote instruction, which has a many challenges, but at least you're only building lessons towards that. You got to do both. So every time I think of a lesson for my class, I also have to make sure I have a way not only to social distance that lesson, but to make sure the kids watching from home have something to do. Or the challenge can be as simple as, you know, can they even see it? Is the camera pointed the right way? We're going to get into all these details later. So I'm happy about it that this is sort of where we're at, but also we're really starting to feel the struggle here of how do you do this? How do you deal with this hybrid model? It's a quick overview of the sort of the problem we're dealing with here. And we'll get more specific about that in a second and then share some of the solutions that we've came up with so far. Guys, I know you chose to come back to the classroom this year for the first time in five or six years during this mayhem. How's that been for you so far? Oh, man, I pick a great time. It's, this yeah. is awesome. No, I mean, I'm excited to be back in the classroom. I'm excited to get to know a group of kids on an everyday type of, of level. So I am excited about that. But I know I am feeling a little bit of the pinch as far as do I feel really prepared to do this hybrid model? And if I'm feeling it being very tech centric and tech comfortable, I would imagine that some of our teachers are feeling this anxiousness to the nth degree. And uh, that is kind of you know, even though I, I do feel somewhat comfortable in this situation, I'm worried about them. Uh, I'm worried about those teachers that aren't tech comfortable. And I'm trying to find ways to find a way to take something off of their plate a little bit to make it a little easier. And that's kind of the tech coach in me that's coming out. But this year I get to make, I get to wear our, both of those hats. And I also get to run the media center. So I got three hats that I have to wear on top of trying to wear three different hats, these three different challenges in the hybrid setting. I got to try to learn new kids for the first time, whether they're in class, whether they're all remote. So how do you get to know your kids that you've never met before? And and that's, that's one of my biggest fears here is I want everyone to feel like a community. I like to build community. I like to build a safe space, but I'm like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make the people that are remote full time feel like they're part of a class where people get to come in and out, be around 
their peers. So that that's the biggest thing that I'm I'm struggling on right now. You know, you summed up a lot of the issues really well. And as you know, the media center guy and all the other stuff you're involved in, and this is true for so many people, there's, you know, it's everything you normally do at the start of the school year, but now times 10 because there's all this extra stuff. So I think kind of what we're doing, we'll, we'll do now is take, uh, I'm going to do a callback to a prior episode with our guest, Anthony Turkala. I'm going to call this the Anthony Turkala approach because we started off by sort of brainstorming and just clarifying, okay, what are the actual problems here? And then listing out some ways to solve those. So do you want to maybe run people down? I think it was like five things we came up with that were the major issues that we're kind of struggling with. Yeah. And some of these we kind of already touched on, but the first yeah. one is how how to teach kids in class and at home at the same time. Uh, yeah, we could, when we first thought about this, you think Zoom, right? You think, oh, we'll just have everybody on a Zoom meet, meeting and it'd be easy peasy. But then all of a sudden you got feedback, you got the, you know, there's all these little challenges. So the first one is how to teach both at the same time how to build a sense of community within the classroom. So how to develop those relationships, not only between you and the kids, but also between the students. Uh, That's very, very important and making it feel like a safe, equitable space. Small group work. A lot of our growth nowadays is in these small group atmospheres. Uh, We're building our classrooms that way. We're building our media centers that way. Well, how do we continue this when small groups look a lot different than what they do? Uh, discussions. So one of the biggest things uh, is trying to get students in class to participate with students out of class and being able to have those big, really seminar-like discussions. I'm talking the big ones, bigger than a small group. How can we do that? And uh, the fifth one is, you know, this is really science-related in labs with labs and projects and stuff like that. We extended it with projects, but how can they have the same experience when they're not there? They're away. I mean, yeah, some of this stuff we could send home, but are we going to send home, you know, one molar hydrochloric acid? No, we're not going to do that for many obvious reasons. Yeah. You know, we're, we're just not going to do that. So these are the problems that we're trying to, to solve at this point in time. So let's, if you don't mind, let's tackle what I think maybe might make the most sense or at least what's on the forefront of people's minds, which is that community building aspect. Normally, you know, if you're all, if you're in person, this kind of takes care of itself. The kids are all in school. They go eat lunch together, got sport practices after school together. They're hanging out in the mornings before school starts. You know, as a teacher, you need to cultivate your classroom environment, but the sense of community almost it happens on its own. But if half, if you're fully remote, it's even harder. And if you're hybrid like us, then half the kids are sort of building that community, but the other half are left out. So you kind of have to make sure that all the kids feel involved. Um, and I found it, well, first of all, Let's say this, just plan on devoting more time than normal at the start of the school year to this community building stuff. Um, I know the lower grades in our district are doing like a full week and a half, two weeks of nothing, no academics at all, just, you know, learning how to interact electronically, getting to know each other, because it takes longer when you have to do it over the computer. Here at the high school level, I think we've got about a week of it or a little bit less, like four days where the kids just learn how to feel comfortable talking to kids who are home. The kids at home learn to feel comfortable talking to the kids that are in school. And um, 
I found, like I said, a pretty cool list for this. It's an edutopia.org article. I can't take credit for too many of these, but there's 10 awesome things. I'm not going to share all of them. If they sound good, the link is in the show notes um, on guttech.com for you to check out. But um, a cool way that you can do this once you've got your Zoom meeting set up, and you could even do this if you are fully in person, if it sounds like a good idea. But uh, just, And this is more of a younger grade thing, but sharing acts of kindness, have the kids brainstorm, take some quiet time and think about something they did over the summer uh, that was kind or something they saw somebody observed and have them share that. Not only is it a nice activity and it promotes that sort of goodwill towards others, but it sort of helps the kids get to know each other in a positive way. Uh, if the kids are a little bit older, maybe in middle school or high school, another one of the cool ideas here, they called it paper tweets. That means you could set up a bulletin board in your class modeled after Twitter where there's little paper strips and the kids get to craft a 140 character tweet on that paper strip talking about something they did over the summer or something positive they saw happen. And then for the kids at home, you could even create a digital version of this where they maybe overlay like a digital paper strip on a Google slide or something like that. At the high school level too, for the older kids, something as simple as stuff we already pretty much all do, like developing class norms. You can involve your students in that process too. Just now, those norms have to involve Zoom etiquette. Should we have our cameras on? Should we not? Something else that is getting pretty popular at the high school level are uh, morning meetings. This used to be an elementary thing, but now it's coming up in the grades too. Just taking some time to get the kids together for maybe, I don't know, some kind of a bonding exercise around the classroom, whatever that might be. Think of a way to social distance it. But even, even though I'm a chemistry teacher, we can take five minutes to do something like that at the beginning of class, just to sort of debrief on where everybody is. And you don't have to do this every day throughout the whole year, but at the beginning, definitely to help the kids feel comfortable with each other in this sort of weird environment. So that's those are just some of the things I came up with for building that sense of community. Remember, the full list is linked in the show notes if you want to check it out. Yeah, I think you brought up a lot of good points there. Uh, one thing I want to say is I feel like a lot of school districts have the what we need to focus on down pat, but the execution of how we carry that out, I feel like isn't there or it's not completely thought out. Yeah. And, you know, that's to be expected because no one's ever been in this situation. So when we have our equilibrium, you know, that's that's status quo. That's going back to school. Absolutely normal. But ever since March, we've all been pulled away from that equilibrium a little bit. And we've been pulled so far and we, we feel so uncomfortable that it forces us to learn and make changes and to try to make a new norm and get back to that equilibrium. And I think that's what we're going to do here, especially in the first two weeks. That that growth curve is going to be a lot quicker than what it typically would be. So those first week or two, you, you just be vulnerable with the kids and you say, hey, none of us has been in this situation, at least not that long. If you're doing hybrid, you probably this is probably the first time you've been there. We're going to try new things. We're going to try something that works for us. And when something does work for us, speak up, you know, let us know that this is adequate. If not, we need to keep trying to plug away to find solutions to solve problems. And what better time to do that, to build that team other than the first two weeks? You know, I want to know how you learn best. This isn't it. This isn't working. I really like that piece of technology. So 
I love that article. I love those little tips and tricks. Check them out in the show notes. I want to talk a little bit about the uh, technology in the classroom. All right, the technology in the classroom. If we just ran a Zoom and everyone was there and on their headsets and everything, you're not getting this authentic interaction back and forth. All right, you don't have the students from home really seeing what's going on in the classroom and, and vice versa. So what our district was doing, it's an initiative called RTII. To this day, I know what the gist of it is. I have no clue what those four words are. <laughs> I'm glad you admitted that because I have no clue either. And I feel really bad. I was going to call you out on it. Yeah. And <laughs> see, you know, but I, I know what I know what the gist is. And yeah. I know that a lot of uh, awesome educators have been putting in a lot of time to come up with something that's going to help everybody. Yeah. Uh, I played around with my classroom for the first time using this RTII mentality. And I, I came up with a, a system that I think I'm going to start with. I'm going to see how the students like. And really, I did it by using less than $100. I, I know that it's not ideal to spend money out of, out of your own pocket. And I'm not encouraging everyone to do so. But maybe this could be something that you talk to your administrator about or the PTO and get grant funds and things like that. But what I have is a laptop that is hooked up to our presentation system in our classroom, which is a pull down white screen or a whiteboard, and it has a speaker attached to it. And really a projection screen just presents whatever's on my laptop. All right, what I wanted to do is I wanna have a Zoom call with the kids that are doing remote learning. And I want whatever screen that I'm sharing to be up on the big whiteboard that we have. The other thing that I want is I want the people from home to be able to talk to the people in the classroom and ask questions and the people from the classroom to ask questions without everyone having headphones in. To me, headphones, if I have headphones in, I am not listening to the, I can't hear the teacher. All right, so that's not something that I wanna do. And I don't wanna speak through a computer to kids to half of my class that is actually in school. All right, so what I did is I hooked up a USB mic and I used the Snowball mic for this because it's um, it has three different settings to it. It has the monodirectional setting, which is what we use for podcasts. It's a one, one directional, so it only records. If you look at Nick's microphone, if you're watching the YouTube channel, he has to speak into that from the front, otherwise it doesn't pick up sound. But this one has uh, the third setting, which is omnidirectional. And the omnidirectional will pick up everything from the room. So that microphone is used to record the teacher's voice and also everyone in class. And I'm in a science class, so I tested this. And I'm probably, our science classrooms have, uh, what, nine big tables up front, eight big tables up front, and six big lab stations in the back. So it's pretty big. And I tested it from the back of the classroom, the furthest away, and the person on the other side can hear it. The remote person could hear it. The last thing that I have is a webcam. All right, I bought a $29 webcam from, uh, I believe it was Amazon. And what I did is I put Velcro on the back of it. And I put Velcro pieces all over my classroom that can where it can reach to. So if I wanted to show my whiteboard and I want to work out a problem, um, I would just select that camera and I would draw on the whiteboard. Now, this is separate from the whiteboard that I used to project to. All right, if I want to show the classroom, if we're having a discussion and I want it to be a little bit more personable, I, I Velcro it to a different location. 
that is in the front of the classroom. All right. And this allows me to have a discussion, allows the class to have a discussion that is circular. It's not going through a Zoom platform to somebody else. Everyone has headphones. I want us to be free. Let's set us all free and try to get this experience to be as authentic as possible. But I put some links down in the show notes. There's there's three different links. The first one is to a affordable um, web camera with a speaker in it, and that will do the trick for a smaller classroom, even you know the, the traditional classroom, but the person that's furthest away from your, your webcam uh, speaker, that one, you know, you might have to repeat that question if that person doesn't project their voice. So basically what I'm saying, whoever's the loudest voice gets the back left corner of the room. Um, but that will do both for about 40 bucks. So you can't beat that, right? If you want a little bit better uh, audio quality, the Snowball mic does, does work uh, pretty well with uh, the webcam that doesn't have the speaker. So that is my setup. I don't know, Nick, I think we're going to try to set you up with pretty much the same setup, see how it goes, but that's at least how we're starting. Yeah. And I, we, we kind of, I did a little bit of this this morning. The webcam works great for me. So much of what I do as a chem teacher is writing on the board. Um, and if you point the webcam right at your whiteboard or whatever you got, um, and we tested this this morning, the kids can see almost the whole thing. And this is just a little cheapy webcam and it's super clear. So now I can talk, the mic picks up my voice. The kids at home can hear me no matter where I am so I can move around and the webcam picks up all that writing on the board. It's really awesome. So those are, there have been some really great solutions for us. Um, one of the other problems, and maybe we can lump these two things together. I'm not sure, but small group work and discussions. Those are kind of some of the cornerstones of my classroom. And I think a lot of teachers that definitely at the high school level and probably all across the board. This to me has been extra challenging to figure out because a lot of the tech that guys just went into, it works really good, but some of the, sometimes the discussions might be a little bit clunky. The kids can't see each other. The kids that are in the classroom, they might not have their Zoom up to kind of get a sense of who's there, who they can talk to. So that's a challenge for sure. And that small group work, you could do it, um, but you've got the issue of trying to keep everybody socially distanced as, as well. So we're going to share some of the things, uh, some of the tech tools that we think are going to work best uh, to get the kids discussing, to get them working in small groups. And some of this is going to overlap with community building too. That's kind of the first one I'll mention. Uh, we've brought up Jamboard briefly in a few of our recent episodes, and we're going to bring it up again because especially for discussions, I think this is going to be a super valuable tool. Um, if anybody's out there who's heard of or used Padlet before, Jamboard is essentially the free Padlet. It's part of the G Suite package. So if you've got all those tools, you can use this. If you don't know what either of those are, just a quick description of Jamboard is, I guess you could think about it like Google Slides, but it's a Google Slides that is editable by an entire group all at one time with all sorts of neat features that to me really lends itself uh, specifically to discussions. Uh, we did a practice one the other day with little sticky notes that you can add in. So Everybody who's working on on a certain slide of, uh, you know, within the Jamboard uh, can add a sticky note with their comment. So how perfect is that? There's a gallery walk right there, just like in a real life gallery walk where you put a sticky note next to somebody's poster presentation. Now you're doing that uh, virtually on the Jamboard and there's, you know, the beginnings or maybe the entire discussion takes place that way all sorts of other tools like adding text, annotations where you can actually write and draw. My favorite thing about it and one of the reasons I'm definitely going to be using it so I can see my kids writing and drawing at the same time. Um, and you can do similar things with Google Slides, of course. 
I've even done this before with Google Drawings where you just have a, a Google Drawing up and everybody has editing access and you can set it up however you want. They can add images, text, pictures, they can write on that. Uh, but I think we're really going to push Jamboard here is probably the best way to do that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was a Jamboard hater at first. I, I really did not see the value in Jamboard. And this was back in, I don't know, January or February. I was like, I just don't get why this is so special. And then the more I play with it, the more I look at it, I'm like, man, I could use this for discussions. I could use this for this. I could use this for that. Really, what it is, if you could get more interactive than Google Slides, it is more active than Google Slides. It's like... You throw 10 different whiteboards up there, you break them into 10 different groups and you tell them to have at it and then you have a product. But you have more annotation tools that don't take forever to use. I mean, the, the pointer, the marker, the eraser, uh, post-it notes, all that stuff is just so there. So I really like it and I like the fact that I could post links, I could post pictures, I could post other things very, very easily. But the reason why I really like it when it comes to this remote learning slash hybrid learning is if a student is experiencing problems with the whole communication piece because maybe they don't have a strong Wi-Fi, well, you could push out a Jamboard and just tell them not to be on Zoom or push out a Jamboard if they have unlimited minutes on their phone and they have a friend in the class, tell them to log into uh, the Zoom meeting and just do the audio only while having the Jamboard opened up. There's there's a little bit more of uh, these little, I don't know, challenges to overcome and there's a way to do it because Jamboard gives us that flexibility. Um, and it allows us to go off of Zoom, which our Chromebooks, like I keep telling everybody in our professional developments this week, the, those Chromebooks aren't meant to be these big conference centers. It's not meant to be that. It's meant to be a collaborative tool. The cameras are meant to take pictures. They're not really meant to stream video. So anything that we can simplify the process and still have this engagement, I think that's key. Yeah. But for me, uh, just one last comment about it. If that collaborative, almost like a whiteboard space, I know that's not what they want to be described as, but that's what Jamboard is. And I, I can't wait to get using it and see how that works. Um, I think we'd be silly here to uh, silly not to mention Flipgrid. It's you know, sort of one of those things we've talked about in the past so much that you just assume everybody's using it. But Man, I think this is great, not only for community building, but letting these discussions happen uh, when everybody's in different places. Um, as, as you guys probably know, if you're listening to us, Flipgrid, you can, you know, post a grid and the kids can use their phones or their Chromebooks or whatever to record themselves responding in a video format. And, you know, you sort of build this this board uh, that has all of their comments and the discussions can sort of ensue from there. I just think that's a great way to gather everybody's opinions or, or answers to a question uh, that maybe leads to other things in the classroom. But it literally is, is then meaningless where you are, whether it's in class or at home, and it kind of pulls everybody together that way. Um, and just one other thing I want to mention that I think ties almost everything else that we've talked about together is just the idea of that flipped classroom, I think works really, really great for this. Uh, we talk Another thing we talk about a lot, the flipped classroom where kids watch videos to learn content. How great does that work now in a place where it might be difficult for students to watch you teach? There's some watching in school there's some watching at home. Maybe you're fully remote. So kids are only watching from home. Uh, the ability to make that content available to them in a video format so they can watch it whenever 
maybe something's going on at home and they can't log into the Zoom meeting to watch you teach the lesson. Doesn't matter. The video's there. For me this year, I know I'm planning to sort of keep that going. My kids are going to be watching brief videos for their homework. And then when we come into class, really quick review session with me at the front of the room. And then we're going into our Zoom breakout rooms. We're going into the Jamboard for the day. I'm going to put a shared whiteboard up that everybody can see and ask different students to work out their solutions to the problem. So really just applying all that stuff. I think that's going to solve a lot of the issues that this hybrid environment kind of presents. So I think that's that was a, an important one to mention here today. Yeah, I, that's a great point. And since you brought up flip-flops or flip learning, we should talk about flip-flops a little bit, which is our little side project that we have with a good buddy, uh, Kyle Nemus. Um, flip-flops airs. It's a YouTube live series. It airs every Wednesday at 8.30. There's a new episode. And basically, all three of us get together. We, we identified our biggest flops to flip learning, and we kind of you know, make fun of our biggest flops and how to overcome those. So uh, if you go to YouTube and you type in Treefish EDU, you'll see the uh, flip-flop live streams that are, are now, I guess, uh, the videos are up on YouTube. So we'll throw that out there since you did talk about flip learning a little bit. Let's get into our last thing, which is labs and projects. But really, this is boiling it down to just having another real experience. How do we do that? And I know that We've gotten a lot of science questions over the last couple of weeks, not only from our peers, but from people in the science community that who know us and know that we do know, you know, a decent amount about technology. So I'm going to go back to the setup that I had in the classroom and say, hey, I have a webcam. Well, that's a USB webcam. We have Chromebooks that have a USB port. We have our laptops that have a USB port. Why not? Let's take one back there and let's have one group be the designated the webcam group. And they're going to run the experiment and the people from home are going to be uh, in a Zoom meeting with uh, that group. So by doing that, they get to experience a little bit about what that lab's going to go. They'll be able to ask questions with that group. It'll come out through the computer speaker. There could be some dialogue there. We also have the ability to record that so we could replay it and pull it out. But another way to kind of get them in with that experience is when we have that time to have a big class discussion, we can go out to the Bozeman Sciences, you know, the Khan Academies and, and some of these content creators for science, and we could play labs that they've either given us still photos from or they have a YouTube video out there. And we can get a real good discussion in there and really tie it back into the content. I really like the idea, especially for, you know, this this one came from me because as a chem teacher, it's really tough for me to, you know, send chemicals home to the kids. You can't do it. And I can't expect them to go find this stuff either. Even if they're household chemicals, I don't know if they can get out of the house or if they can buy these things. And you can't expect that. So just knowing that my kids in school can pull up that Zoom, maybe I'll assign them to a breakout room. And there's one kid responsible for, you know, showing the kid that's at home, the rem the remote student, showing them what's going on, holding the computer over the reaction. Maybe the kid at home is responsible for doing screenshots, recording data, however they want to work it out to at least give them some 
of that school experience while they are home, sort of trying to deal with that. And as you were talking, I thought of something else that I thought we should bring up, and that is just assigning your students roles. Like you said, there's one group that's their remote learning lab group recording what's happening in the lab. Something else that I figure I'm going to do uh, next week once the kids are here is um, one kid in my classroom is going to have their Zoom up and is going to be responsible for sort of being like my chat monitor. If I'm up at the board, I can't always be monitoring that Zoom chat. So guess what? I can have one of my students checking in on that chat for me and raising their hand and saying, hey, you know, Mr. J, there's a couple comments here that someone asked if you could go back and show that again. I love this idea. Part of that is signing norms and talk about community building too. giving kids roles to sort of help me monitor what's going on. I think that could work out really, really great. So that reminds me, you, you just gave a specific role to a specific student. Uh, I, I, I used to have a name for this role but it meant something to me. The kids probably just thought it was a goofy thing, but I, I had some kids that can, they couldn't sit still and they would just keep going, keep going, keep going until they just got totally distracted and threw the whole class off. So I had one person that would be my tissue guy or my <laughs> tissue girl. And I don't know what I called it, but um, basically I, I wrote them a pass because all they really needed to do is reset. And I would write them a pass to the main office to get me a box of tissues. They would come back at the end, sometimes by the end of the week, because I had one pretty much in every class that couldn't sit still, I would have seven to 10 boxes of tissues <laughs> in there, but you know, I would run them down back to the main office and we, the secretary and I knew what was going on there, but it worked really well because A, they thought that they were just going to get tissues, B, the people in the classroom had no clue why that person was going to get tissues other than they thought that I needed them. But it just got, gave them a little bit of time to reset, but it gave them a job to feel good about it as well. They felt like they were contributing. I wanted them to reset. They felt like they were contributing. They had no clue why I was having them go there. Yeah, so I, it's a great and a great example. And I think there's going to be all kinds of stuff like that where you realize even in this weird new environment, a lot of the stuff that you've always done, you're going to be able to do the same things. You just have to get into it and sort of see where it all goes. And uh, if I'm not wrong, I think that pretty much wraps it up for episode 67, uh, all about these hybrid learning challenges and how to overcome them. So whether you're in person, fully remote or hybrid, hopefully uh, some of our challenges echoed some of yours and hopefully some of our solutions will be useful to you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geis and I individually at Geis Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.